especially love you to look at the screen for, uh, uh, for this uh, reading uh, about the birth of the Lord Jesus announced to the shepherds. This one and, and uh, the one that we had before is what we're going to use to think uh, about a little bit um, after I've read it for us. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So we're going to have a look at those verses in a minute. Let me pray for us before we do that. Father, we thank you for these glorious passages of your word that we've read this evening that point us to the fact that this baby born in a Bethlehem stable is not just a baby. May we be leaving here later rejoicing in that fact, we pray. For Jesus' sake, amen. Um, I wonder whether you've ever kind of stopped to wonder why, you know, in, in a few days' time, actually most of the world is going to grind to a halt while we celebrate the birth of a baby. Um, I mean, I, you know, I love babies. Had a few of our own. Um, got several here at Grace Church. We've got more on the way. I love babies. Babies bring great joy, don't they? Not much sleep, um, so a few bad smells, um, but loads of joy. Loads of joy. But of course, even though we love babies, the birth of a baby, it's not exactly a rare occurrence, is it? Apparently, there's an, there's an estimated 130 million of them born across the world every year. And, and, and the world could hardly grind to a halt to celebrate all of them. That, that would be ridiculous, doesn't it? And yet, it does for Jesus. That's striking, isn't it? And it's not like Jesus was even a celebrity baby, is it? He was born in a shed, a stable. He was laid in a feeding trough. He was born into the poorest of families. He spent his early childhood on the run from his king, his own king and his henchmen. He became an asylum seeker for a while. And then he grew up in a kind of backwater town of a tiny, oppressed nation ruled by a superpower uh, who superpower who took great delight in crucifying his, his fellow countrymen or by the side of the road as a warning to them not to rebel uh, he, he was a boy who learned his adoptive father's trade as a carpenter and joiner uh, and, and he worked at that that for the great majority of his adult life until at the age of 30 he collected together an unlikely assortment of no hopers kind of ill-educated fishermen despised tax collectors political zealots uh, notorious sinners uh, and then for three years just three years he toured the tiny nation of Israel as, as a penniless homeless preacher who was sometimes popular sometimes wildly unpopular before his own people hated him enough to hand him over to the Romans who snuffed him out because he claimed to be a king 
or, or did they? Because the unlikely group of, of no-hopers uh, who had become his followers swore blind, even though it would cost many of them their lives, that Jesus had risen bodily from the grave, just as he promised, and that he'd ascended to the throne of the universe. And, and these followers then spread the word about this, that he was the son of God, the long-awaited rescuer and ruler that God had been promising to send for, for thousands of years. A message that so many people found compelling that it ended up turning the world upside down, such that within a few hundred years, the mighty Roman Empire that had executed Jesus ended up confessing him as Lord and King. Now, isn't that the most astounding thing you can imagine? That this Jesus became the central figure of human history, such that now even, 2,000 years on, much of the world will grind to a halt as we remember his birth. Isn't that staggering? That, that whilst in his own day he was largely either ignored or despised, rejected and condemned, yet today he commands more allegiance than any other human being ever. Isn't that incredible? A penniless preacher who never ran for political office, never got ordained, was never formally schooled, never wrote a book, never led an army, never had an ounce of earthly power and was butchered as a blasphemer at the age of 33, but is now the single most important person in human history whom billions of people have called their Lord and their King. Isn't that incredible? How do you account for that? Well, I'd like to suggest that there really is only one way to account for it, and, and that is the Bible's own explanation for it, which is that Jesus was not just a baby. Now, of course, um, all of the characters of the events of the first Christmas are telling us this, but, but I'd like tonight just to think about the shepherds uh, for a minute or two and, and, and how what happened to them shows us that Jesus is not just a baby. Because you see, these guys, these shepherds, they are crucially important witnesses to the events of Jesus' birth. They were the first ones to be told of the birth of Jesus. They were the first ones to see the new king after he was born. They were the first ones to go and tell others uh, about the birth of Jesus. But for all that, what's even more amazing is that we know next to nothing about them. We don't know how many of them there were. We, we don't know where they came from. We, we don't know any of their names. And yet they were really important. And you can see some of their importance to the Christmas story, can't you? Just every time you sing some carols. The, the, the number of carols that they make an appearance in is amazing. You know, while shepherds watch their flocks by night, the first Noel, silent night, shepherds are riddled uh, through the, the Christmas carols that we sing. Why is that? What, what's so important uh, about them? And what happened to them out in the field that night? I reckon shepherds today have it pretty cushy in comparison with shepherds back then. Back in first century Israel, there were no fences to keep the sheep hemmed in like we have today. So you were out with the sheep. That meant spending the night out in the open with them because it was the shepherd's job to keep the sheep together and, and to kind of protect the sheep from, from predators and so on. That's, that's what these guys uh, were doing. And while they were doing that, we're told that an angel appeared to them and they were terrified. Now, here's a couple of verses um, from, from our, uh, our reading in, in Luke 
chapter 2. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Now I don't know whether you have ever spent nights out wild camping. And anyone ever, ever done anything like that? I've, I've done quite a bit of that over the years, either on my own or with someone else. In fact, we've got a little group of guys here at Grace Church who like to go hammock camping. In fact, we'll be going out. Yeah, who said that? Oh, it's, it's amazing. You should really try hammock camping. Um, now, now we, in fact, there's a few of us who are going to be going out after Christmas for a winter camp. Anyone, anyone fancy joining us for that? Not many takers. I wonder, I wonder why that is. It's not for everyone, is it? Because strangely, I, I don't understand this, but strangely it seems that a lot of people don't like being out in the dead of winter, at the dead of night, lying awake in the open, listening to every noise and rustling and wondering what kind of creature is making it. Uh, and if you think that would be a terrifying experience for you, just imagine how these shepherds felt, guys who were kind of hardened wild campers, when someone actually did appear in the dead of night, but we're not talking about one of the shepherd's wives with a flask of soup or something. You know, We're talking about an angel of the Lord. No wonder, verse 9, they were, they were filled with fear. But what I want us to notice is that it's not just the appearance of an angel that got them terrified, is it? What, what else happens in verse 9? An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. Do you see? It wasn't just the angel appearing that terrified them. It's the fact that the glory of the Lord shone around them. So what is so terrifying about the glory of the Lord shining around them? Well, these shepherds, seeing the glory of the Lord, it was like them being given a little glimpse of what God is like. So so God had sent these angels to deliver an important message and he'd validated that message, if you like, by giving them a glimpse of himself in all of his glory so that his glory shone around. In other words, what happened to these shepherds was more than just seeing an angel, wasn't it? These men were confronted with a glimpse of what God is like. And of course, when we're confronted with what God is like, we're also forced to face up to what we are like and how we stand before him. And the shepherds were terrified, and friends, so they should have been. Um, I don't know whether you're an avid watcher of Strictly on the telly. Somebody told me it was the final. Is that right? Anyway, I'm, I'm not really. I've got two left feet. Um, I was interested to learn this morning in the nativity that, uh, that Ollie likes to do some dad dancing from time to time. But me, I'd, I'd rather go hammock camping um, than, than, than dancing. But, you know, I did, I did catch a little bit on BBC Breakfast the other week uh, on the Monday after Dan Walker and his partner got voted off. I don't know whether you saw that. Uh, but he admitted to, to being, you know, a bit like me, a complete non-dancer before he did the show. And, and it made me think, uh, as I was listening to it, it made me think how I would feel being partnered up with a professional dancer like that. That is frightening. 
for, for a non-dancer like me. Just the thought of having to step out onto the Blackpool Tower ballroom, you know, with a, with a professional partner next to me, I'd feel terrified. And I'd feel terrified not just because she would be a great dancer, but because I am a lousy dancer. Yeah, And I'm standing next to maybe one of the best, greatest dancers in the world. And, and, and there's a bit of a similarity there to the kind of terror that these shepherds feel here. To get a glimpse of what God is like in all of his glory is to be forced to acknowledge what we are like in comparison. Do you see, these guys have been confronted with the truth that actually every one of us needs to face. The truth of what we are like. As we stand before God, what we are like as he sees us. Because, you see, the Bible's clear that there is a, there is a massive gulf between God and us. Yeah, God is perfect and, and we are not. God is sinless and we are not. God is truth and, and love and light. But we, you know, we know, don't we, no matter how hard we try, we fall well short. In, in all kinds of areas, we miss the mark of how the God who made us has designed us to live. And, and the Bible's word for that, of course, is sin. And, and, and although often the wrong things we do, that the sins are, 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 they're often against other people, yet because they're failures to live God's way, it's ultimately against God that we sin. In other words, our sin constitutes kind of rebellion against the God who made us and loves us, against his design for us, which, which enables us to live life as he uh, intended. In, in other words, every sin constitutes disobedience to God. It, it's our way of kind of saying to him, you know, I'm in charge, God, not you. I'll decide how I'll live my life, not you. And, and it's this rebellious attitude towards God that's brought our world actually into the broken and the unhappy state that it's in. And, and if we're honest, we can't help but see the same attitude towards God in our own hearts, can we? And so where does that leave us as we stand before God? Well, it, it, leads us, it leaves us guilty, doesn't it? And that guilt cuts us off from God. It, it leaves us facing his, his penalty for rejecting him, the penalty of death. So no wonder these, these shepherds were terrified as the glory of the Lord shone around them. I, I reckon we would be too, don't you? As we were forced to reckon with what we are like next to him. But now look, just, just look at verses 10 and 11 uh, and what the angel said to these terrified Shepherds, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Do you, do you see that the message that the angel had was a message of good news because a saviour or a rescuer had been born in Bethlehem. So, so the angel's point here is that this saviour, this rescuer has come into the world to, to kind of bridge that, that gulf that exists between us and God because of our sin. This baby that, that they would find wrapped in swaddling cloths, that's like a kind of first century baby grow kind of thing, lying in a manger, a feeding trough, this baby 
would be the one who would deal with all of our failings and rescue us from the consequence of all of our sin. And you know, friends, he would do that not through his birth, but through his death. See, God gave his son at Christmas so that he could die at Easter. Even his name, Jesus, means God saves. And it was in order to die that Jesus was born. To die a a cruel death on a Roman cross where he died in our place. In, In fact, in the place of all who will put their trust in him. Isn't that an amazing rescue? He's born to die with our sin on his shoulders, our sin charged to his account, so that he could pay the price of it with his life, so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for it with ours. And that means that the gulf that exists between us and God, it's been bridged by Jesus. He's come into the world so that we can be made right with God. And and as the angel puts it in verse 10, this is good news of great joy. And not just for some people, but for all the people. Not because Jesus' death automatically rescues all people, whether they believe in him or not. That's not what the angel means. It's good news for all people, because it means that whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your background, Jesus' rescue can include you. Friends, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to acknowledge, don't we, that there is a gulf between us and God because he is perfect and we can never hope to be by ourselves. Our own shortcomings and failures, our own sin means that we're less than worthy to stand before him. But the good news message that the angel carried to those shepherds who were terrified as they caught a glimpse of what God is like It was simply, don't be afraid, because a saviour's come. And you know, friends, when we too acknowledge that there is a gulf between us and God, then we're also ready to acknowledge our need of that saviour, that rescuer, and need of someone to rescue us from our sin and bridge that gulf. And that is who Jesus is. Not just a baby, but the saviour of the world. If you'd like to find out a bit more about why Jesus is not just a baby, uh, you can have a chat with a Christian friend, maybe who brought you along. Uh, and we'd love to make some resources available to you um, as well. There are some little books around called Is Christmas Unbelievable? Brilliant little book. If you'd l- love to read it, pick one up. Have it as a gift from us. Take it away and, uh, and, and read it. We'd love for you to do that. Also, starting in January, we've got a little course called Hope Explored, a three-week uh, course, uh, which we're, we're planning to run starting in the new year. Um, that's designed to I- explain this message a bit more fully, and, and we'd love you to come along. Um, come and have a chat with me if you'd like to, to do that. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to sing our final carol together. Our gracious Father, we thank you that the message of the angels to the shepherds was one of good news that in the birth of Jesus, a saviour has come. Please, would you help us this Christmas 
to think about where we stand before you. And please help us to know that we too can know this same Jesus as our rescuer, just as we turn and trust in him. And we pray this so that our Christmas, uh, this year and every year, might be transformed by you, the true and the living God. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.